kenna motsabi moloi moradi wa Albertina mama chona le Joseph mbutana moloi ke le le kholokwe le hlaba kotswana le hlaba go ka le mao ka sebonong le hlaba Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. Hello, Journey with Mpo family. Welcome to yet another exciting episode. On the journey with us today is Anthony Harris, Texas raised father of three, service member, poet, author, motivational speaker, gym rat, and world traveler. I can't recall how Anthony and I met. It must have been at a poetry event on the island, but what I can tell you is the encouragement from Spirit to bring him onto the show and the timing of it is all perfect. No sooner, no later. JWM family, I present to you Anthony Harris. This poem's called Elevation. Elevation is just the persistence of resistance that preoccupies our minds into meaningless penchants. So I elevate. I radiate beyond the internal need to follow pointless trends, to act like the many men who many have condemned after all the hills and valleys halted those values to treacherous ends. So I elevate. My mind stayed enamored, full of glamour for the beautiful mess of a life I have pampered, coddled, put into a bottle, let it out to sea for a new young mind to follow. So I elevate. No mistakes, no debates, never lose sight that I am the greatest to date in my state of mind. I optimize my prime. I fertilize the roots of the grass that is to grow. I water the seeds for my plants that are to show. So I elevate. Understanding that I am a master of my mind, mediocrity stands as a cancer in my time, complacency perpetuates the latency for a mind state that is destined for death you see, so I elevate. They say spend the money cause you can make it back, but that time, that time is something you can't take back, vanish with the winds, seconds ticking away to a meaningless end. Is that the new trend? Is that what you really wish to live from within? So I elevate. You can't escape what is meant for you. You can't disregard the path that it was set for you. Simplicity isn't a drawing that was etched for you. So why the hell is simple what you choose to do? So I elevate. Basic principles of life, to thrive and succeed, to write it is to dream, to paint the picture with the flawless touch, to slow stuff down when the world is in such a rush, precisely why my poetry means so much. So I elevate. I'm the enigma, the bigger figure. All my hood fam might just say I'm realer. More politically correct though, I am the example, so follow me. I am the truth, so trust indeed. More importantly, I am me, so what you get is what you see, and I'm always gonna elevate. Oh man, Mr. Elevation, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on and inviting me. What inspired the poem? Um... I just think it's important that uh, people kind of embrace who they are, where they're at. Um, a lot of times, you know, we look at ourselves and we try to downplay, mm-hmm. you know, where we're at in life, you know, what we bring to the world and whatnot. And I just think it's important that we embrace that, 
but we also take that and raise it to the other level. You know, mm-hmm. we just elevate wherever we are in life, um, keep on pushing forward, um, don't look back, uh, just elevate. You know? <laughs> Ele- elevate your existence. You know, at the end of the day, you know, nobody wants to stay stagnant. You know, mm-hmm. we always want to push forward. Um, I thought elevation was the perfect name for it. And, Oh, man, I'm up in my feels. I'm like, that's the point where I'm at in my life, just trying to elevate, you know, because you never know everything. There's always room for improvement. Absolutely. There's always room to elevate. Absolutely. Uh, oh. we all, we're all a work in progress, but we can always elevate. Always. <laughs> Thank you for starting off with that one. I feel motivated. I appreciate that. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Okay. At this point in your life, what would you say is significantly valuable to you? Significantly valuable uh, right now, mainly educating the black culture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of letting them know that there are bigger and better things in this world, mm-hmm. um, that we can be successful, that we can thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, the black man, you know, that it's okay for us to be emotional, it's okay to show vulnerability, that's important. Uh, my children as well, so uh, fatherhood for sure. You know that's uh, that's probably the biggest, the biggest motivating factor, most significant thing in my life at this point. Uh, those are my big, big things, big valuable things in my life. Really good. What would you say are some of the ways that you're involved in the black community and showing men that it's okay to be vulnerable? First and foremost, I think that. Um, my son is probably the is probably the first example of how I can begin to make a change or be involved first and foremost. So, yeah. uh, me speaking about it is one thing. Me putting it into action is something totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest the biggest example and the biggest change I can make is dealing with somebody that's my seed. You know, um, so my son he's a very emotional little boy. Um, and I love that about him. You know, and I tell him all the time that I don't want him to hold that back. Um, although he is a mixed child, uh, he identifies as a black man. You know, he's going to be recognized as a black man growing up. Um, and I want him to know that it's okay. It doesn't make you any weaker. You know, it doesn't make you any less strong. Um, and it's a, it is an asset that is very understated. Um, it shows a lot of strength to deal with, to, to be able to deal with your emotions and to deal with it out in the open. You know, not to hold it in and... Uh, really, really just deal with it and the people that you're going through certain things with and being able to speak on it, mm-hmm. feel it, mm-hmm. um, address it. And, you know, at the end of the day, kind of after it's all done, you know, you, you can move on and be happier and all the other stuff because you're not holding on any tension. Uh, more than that, uh, you know, I'm, I am a motivational speaker as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I, talk, I talk at a lot of different venues, um, a lot of different shows. I have a lot of friends and family that are have black children or, you know, black men who grew up sort of like me. Mm-hmm. And we we come we converse all the time about mm-hmm. the importance of well how do we make an effective change within us, you know? Yeah. We all talk about as black men, we talk about the black community a lot too. Uh, but as black men, we I feel like we don't ever really talk about us and you know where where our pitfalls and things mm-hmm. of that nature is, and I feel like that's a that's an underlying thing with us where we're just not inherently these emotional. 
creatures, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we were just taught that, you know, to provide, um, to be strong, you have to be this macho man in this world. Uh, you be ready to fight at any given time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't cry. You know, women cry. Mm-hmm. All that. We have to deal with, before we can start educating our black community and our black men on how to operate, we have to learn to operate as black men. So if we're the pillars of this community, mm-hmm. which I do feel that, you know, the black man, the man, man is, a, is a pillar in our community. Definitely. We have to first deal with what we have that are pitfalls mm-hmm. too. That's a, that's the strength of a man, right? Is mm-hmm. to be able to be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and have these honest conversations and figure out how, how you can apply it to your life. I do think it's difficult even for myself because I grew up in a situation to where I, I wasn't allowed to be that way. Mm-hmm. It's been a process, you know, trying to get that side of me. I still struggle with it. Um, I, I can speak on it a lot because I can understand the importance of it. Mm-hmm. But by no means am I a very emotional person, mm-hmm. um, a very vulnerable person. And with every new relationship I get, whether that be friendship, um, relationship with a significant other, you know, my children, I try to take something from that and kind of add it to my toolkit mm-hmm. to open myself up to be more receptive and uh, vulnerable to people that I feel close with. You know, I feel like that just makes your relationships deeper, uh, makes your bond stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're able to be real with somebody on that level, mm-hmm. uh, you can't do anything but respect that, you know. And as a, as, a, as a black man, I just feel like we aren't we aren't there, you know. Overall, mm-hmm. we're not we're not emotionally there. It's a real thing when people say we're not emotionally available, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall we're just not. Uh, and if people are being honest with themselves, you know, in our community, they'll see that. Um, I think a lot of us recognize it. We just don't know what the next step is to to get there. And that's an individual thing too, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to want that. You have to first recognize it. And you have to want it and if you really want it, you'll, you'll start to make the changes that you, know, that you need to make to adjust that. And it's baby steps. You know, it's baby steps. Ooh-wee. Anthony came in hot, passionate, and ready. <laughs> okay, so we're going to increase the heat just a little bit. So, like myself, you grew up in a single-parent household. How has this impacted your perception and treatment of women? I... I have the utmost respect for um, women in general, um, especially the single mother. I, I think people have heard it before, but I truly think that the single mother is probably the hardest job in the world. And then you add being a single black mother, um, that's an even harder job, you know, dealing with certain prejudices and things that go on in our in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to understate what any other woman who's a single mother is doing. Yeah, um, yeah. But the struggle is different. The struggle, the struggle is different, and it's to be a boy. For my mother to raise two boys mm-hmm. um, in a single household, you know, not making a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. um, not a whole lot of support outside of my grandma. You know, it's it's it's, it's admirable to say the least. You know, and. Um, you know, I'm thankful that you know God has given me an opportunity to have daughters. Um, I've had great examples of you know how what a strong woman looks like. Um, 
it's helped me in my parenthood and uh, my respect for you know my kid's mother and you know what I desire for my my daughters to to be like when they have uh, kids and whatnot. Um, I can't do nothing but you know thank her. We, we we've had our battles, of course. You know my mom we still have our issues, but. You know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be the individual I am or you know had my successes that I've had in my in my in my life uh, without without her you know yeah. it's uh yeah, I can't I can't I can't even say too much more <laughs> than that what do you love about your mother she's strong and she's ambitious you know my mom she's a very ambitious person she has really uh, she's turned that corner in her life especially at this point, mm -hmm. to where she's pretty much on auto, autopilot. Um, she knows what she wants, she goes get it at all means, you know, whatever it takes. You know, there's no, there's no telling her no, there's no mm -hmm. stopping her. If she wants, she go gets it and she, that's, that. that's that, you know, and it's, and it's always, I feel like to the max, you know, I, you know, I wanna, if you want a $400,000 house, that house is nice, but I want $500,000 house, you know. Uh, you know, you want to pull outside, I want to pull in my house, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, she uh, she's just an inspiration in general. Um, I, I, I admire her, you know, on a bunch of different levels. You know, hopefully, you know, as I get older, I'm able to, you know, push my life the way she has, you know, to transition from when me and my little brother were growing up into where she's at now. It's been awesome thing to watch and it feel like it's happened overnight you know so um, just her ambition period is the most admirable thing I, I feel for her okay so I'm gonna give you an opportunity to give a shout out to your mom <laughs> what's going on mom over here doing this podcast a lot of questions been surrounding you and I just want to say thank you for helping me become the man that I am today um, helping me become the parent I am today uh, being the grandmother that you are I love you. I hope you're doing awesome. <laughs> you got all soft. That's so beautiful. <laughs> okay, so you're a father to three. Two girls and a boy. I often hear people sharing the sentiment that being a parent changes your outlook on life. How has being a parent shaped your life? Absolutely changed my life. Um, first and foremost, my oldest, Yasmin, uh, being young, and then raising a daughter, it was 180. You know what I had to what I what I had to be like. Um, you know, typically I was a typical male, I guess if you will. You know, uh, I was hot in the pants, I guess. <laughs> um, had a you know, had my fair share of women, um, but having a daughter and having to raise her to be you know a woman and having her look up to a man and say this is what I should expect it just changed how I valued women I guess I should say um, I don't want to say I respect them I feel like I've always respected women but how I valued women changed almost instantly when I had a daughter and then you know my son um, that's a whole other thing because now I have to raise a, a boy to be a man you know and you know we have a lot of men that are you know, a lot of men that are still young at the head and still don't know how to be 
men in society. That's a that's that's, that's a real title. You know, to be a man in society is something. Something that people look at you like, okay, that's a man right there. I have to raise my son to be that way. Um, so I had to look at myself a lot and say, okay, you know, what are what am I doing? What am I doing and how can I make this better? What what do I need to change for him to look at me and say, okay, that's the example that I need to follow. And it's a lot. It was a lot of work, you know. Um, you know, when you take an honest look at yourself, especially being younger, you know, have my kids young, fairly young, and when you take an honest look at yourself, you start seeing a lot of flaws, you know, that if you're honest with yourself, you'll you'll learn you learn to work on. Um, and then obviously my my little well, sorry to backtrack a little bit. My son also helped me regain a relationship with my dad as well. Um, me and my dad, you know, we had we were pretty on the outs for a little while. Um, a couple, a lot of different things happened, um, and we just didn't have a relationship. You know, it was probably going on two, two, two and a half years since the last time we had spoken at that point. And you know, having my son. I remember holding him and I was just like, man, you know, I couldn't imagine growing up and then my son just saying he didn't want to have a relationship with me. Like, I was like, I feel like that'd kill me. I mean, for any of my kids to do that, but, you know, being being a father, you know, I can I can only imagine that. And especially for my dad, because, you know, he really stepped in at a time in life where he didn't have to. You know, my biological father, you know, I didn't meet him until I was 21. Um, you know, he's kind of a nobody to me for real. You know, so for him to even stick around and deal with the nonsense that you know was going on in me and his relationship, and that's that was a lot, you know. And uh, I thankful to my son, you know, forever because he helped that me and my dad's relationship at this point in my lives is you know thriving. You know, so it's been awesome. And then I obviously have my my, uh, my youngest, my little princess, and she kind of she saw she really that's the one that softened me up though. Like she really. Um, she really just brought a different, a different joy in my life. You know, I think I was a little bit older at this point. Um, my views on things was different, how I view, you know, society and, you know, parenthood and whatnot. And she just, you know, made me this soft, bubbly. Twisting Oreo. Like all of that, you <laughs> know. Milk. All of that, you know. Um, for her, you know, and she's such a mama's girl that is so annoying, but... <laughs> But, um, you know, she, all my kids are the apple in my eye, but, you know, that, that little one, she really made me this, uh, this very personable, very fun-loving guy that I think I didn't really have beforehand, you know, and then she came in and it was just kind of like the cherry on top, and yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I love being a father, you know, it's a, it's great. All my kids got so many different personalities, you know, they're all totally different, but it's a great experience. It's a great experience. That's like you were in your moment of joy, just speaking about your kids, your face lit up and you were you softened up. That's yeah, really cool. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. So you don't live with your children. What are some of the ways you make sure you're involved in their lives? So both my oldest two kids, uh, both have iPhones. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to FaceTime with them daily. Mm -hmm. uh, my youngest, she has an iPad, you know, so they all have ways to contact me. Y'all have ways to contact them, um, you know, whether that be that they need help with their homework or they just want to talk. Um, obviously, being in Hawaii and then being, you know, in Texas, we got a little time difference, but 
Uh, we make it work. Um, mm-hmm. I also I try to get out there and travel to see them as often as I can. For people who know me and know I can travel, period. I'm, I'm always on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually I always try to make a little pit stop to go see my kids when I, when I have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's tough in Hawaii. You know, I think as a parent, you just want to be there as much as possible. Um, but the most important thing for me and what I tell my kids is that they just need to know that I'm always available, you know, mm-hmm. to them regardless of the fact. You know, yeah. if it's 2 o'clock in the morning over here and they want to call, call me. You know, yeah. if if it really comes to the point where y'all need to see me right now, let me know. I will buy a ticket and I'll make my yeah. way out to you all. Um, I never want them to feel like just because me and their mother, you know, aren't together mm-hmm. that I'm not, I'm not available to them, you mm-hmm. know, so... Uh, they know it. Um, like I said we, we we talk pretty much daily, and um, you know we make the best of what we got. You know this is this yeah. is this is this is a situation that you know I guess I created. You know um, you know this is a distance that it is here. Um, what do you do with it? You know, I can't. I'm not gonna sit and dwell on it and mm-hmm. you know cry about it and whatnot. Um, you know how do I still be the best father I can be from a distance? You know and you know that's what I feel like I'm doing. So. Mm-hmm. Having worked with children before created an awareness of what I call parental anxiety. Parents want what's best for their kids, and most times they know what that is or what that looks like, but are fearful that they're unable to provide this. Have you ever experienced what I call parental anxiety? And if so, how do you work through it? I don't think I have necessarily. Um, you know, for for me, what I the way I try to live is that I don't, I don't want to hamper my kids and their experiences, and I don't want to mm-hmm. coddle them to the point to where, um, because what society has shown us, you know, in recent years and whatnot, that they can't live their lives. Though mm-hmm. uh, I think as parents, absolutely, you know, we want the best for our kids. We want all their safety. You know, you know, we we concern ourselves with every little aspect of their lives, as you should. Um, but for me, I don't want them to ever feel like they can't have experiences because I'm fearful of mm. the unknown. Okay. Um, yeah. And me and my, you know, me, me and my children's mother, we're a little bit different when it comes to that. So mm-hmm. I think the battle really comes between that situation yeah. to where I have an opinion about something, vice her and her opinion to it. Um, what I have to understand and what I'm getting better at, you know, and I'm still learning is that, you know, right now, you know, she she's the one that's, you know, making sure my kids is good. She's the one that's making sure my kids is healthy and safe and whatnot. She's with them every day. And, you know, I don't I don't try to step on her toes. You know, you know, if I feel like if I feel like she's doing too much or whatnot, then you know, I'll say my piece. But overall, you know, as the mother of my kids, and you know, a great mother, you know, to my kids, you know, I trust her, her instincts, and you know what she what she sees fit. I'm a big advocate of, you know, what is supposed to happen is going to happen any way it goes. And while yes, I'm absolutely going to protect my kids by all means necessary, mm-hmm. uh, I'm also going to let them live their lives. You know, like they 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 need to grow up and uh, be cultured and mm-hmm. you know understand experiences and. You know, be be free to do certain things that even myself was allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just because, you know, the world is a crazier place today, 
if it's supposed to happen, it, it's going to happen one way or another. There's nothing I can do to stop that. And that's really how yeah. I feel. So. That's a hard, like, it's hard coming into acceptance off. But it is what it is, you know. Life's going to happen anyway. Okay, you ready for your second poem? Apparently, I am not a poet. I am not a poet because I'm not world-renowned. I am not a poet because my discography doesn't embody the great likes of someone like Maya Angelou C. so I am not a poet. Apparently, I am not a poet because I speak to what frightens you, because I'm a black man, so I talk social injustice, because I'm from the hood, so I speak on some thug shit, because I carry myself a certain way, because I don't portray the image in your Vogue magazine somehow lessens me into what you see for you to feel comfortable to tell me that I I'm not a poet. Because I haven't won dozens of poetry slams, because I can care less if a fan scores me a five or 10, because I don't really care if I ever win, because if I touch one fan with any one word I spit accomplishes what I said after this, but apparently, I am not a poet. Apparently, I am not a poet because I don't seek to headline shows, because I don't team up with my bros or join the poetic family that everyone adores because I'm honestly cool with being the house poet that nobody knows, but somehow that means that I am not a poet. Somehow the words I spit aren't good enough. Somehow the message that I bring isn't true enough because someone who I don't know who has never sat and scribbled one damn line can have an opinion on my damn rhymes and tell me that I am not a poet. So as I write these lines and I rack my mind to find the best way to respond to that line, I am not a poet, I catch myself. You see, the essence of poetry is that of self, and as my words weave through your eardrums and pierce through your mental, only you know if this message was sent for you. And as I am slightly jaded from the adjacent lyrics I hear about my poetic justice, I muster the courage to spit it anyway. I write this to say that my poetic ministries are a concept of your abilities to relate to a subject matter that is true to me and at the same time hopefully guide you through a time that may be true to you as we wage a war on our own internal battles for few, if any, actually knew, but apparently I am not a poet. So call it what you may, a wordsmith, a maestro, someone who does this shit with his eyes closed. Honestly, I don't even know, nor do I care because apparently I am not a poet, but these words, these words I continue to spill still brought you in and you still came here and you came here to hear this message from me, but apparently I am not a poet. So not only have you elevated yourself and then, you know, worked your relationships and your friendships to be a good person, but you also don't respond to taunting. You're just like, okay, cool. I'm going to take my pen and fight this war on the paper. <laughs> I try. I try. You know, I used to respond to taunting a lot. So you know, now I try to find a more organic and you know, civil way to <laughs> you know, handle things when I feel people are throwing their shots or disrespecting me at all. So. Mm. And you take difference in opinion well. You don't take it, you know, aggressively or challenge or become defensive. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, you know. And, yeah. um, I think as we get older, you know, it becomes more clear. You mm -hmm. know, we live in a society that is um, very judgmental. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody's entitled to that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, everybody is a free speech. You know, you can think, say what you will. Mm -hmm. And as individuals, you know, you take that and you form your own opinion you take it whatever criticism you can and mm -hmm. you react to it how you will um yeah. and 
you know, I choose to react to it now um, by using my pen, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, poetry has opened up a lot of doors for me that, mm -hmm. you know, I previously didn't have. Um, is let me express myself in a way that I feel is constructive and mm -hmm. people can relate to it, which I feel is a is a big thing for me. You know, ultimately, I feel like one of my callings is being able to um, to be able to help other people. You know, and mm -hmm. uh, get them to relate to certain things uh, in general. You know, poetry is one of those things. I think, like I said, it's a it's a concept of your abilities to relate to a subject matter that's true to me. Mm -hmm. and hopefully, guide you through a time that may be true to you. Um, yeah. That's why I write. At the end of the day, you know, yeah. poetry slams and competition poetry and all stuff that's cool you know i enjoy i enjoy doing that stuff um but the essence of why i do it you know has nothing to do with that mm. um at all um yeah. i could care less if i ever win a you yeah. know a show or you know whatever if i can affect anybody you know yeah. out there then you know I'm, and I'm, it, I'm even, if even if it's one person even if it's one person yeah even if it's one individual this is who i came out for tonight ab absolutely the one person in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the crowd who was going through something who mm. Um, doesn't talk to anybody about it um, and who just heard a message and say, you know what, I needed that tonight. Mm. That's why I do it. <laughs> Better person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Your first self-published book, and I really, focuses on three major themes. Self-preservation, team greatness, and self-accomplishment. Why are these themes important to you? I think in life in general, um, we we can't do anything by ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, first and foremost, you have to you have to be comfortable within yourselves and get yourself to a point to where you can accomplish whatever it is you're setting after individually. Mm -hmm. um, once you figure that for yourself individually, it's almost equally as important to build a solid core around you, mm -hmm. um, a team around you that is like minded. Mm -hmm. uh, that is just as focused and is just as willing to push forward mm -hmm. as you are. Um, and even if they're not necessarily on your level, then comes the point to where it's just important for you to help pull them with you if these are people in your circle that you trust and you know that this is what's smart for you in your circle for whatever movement you're going to be on. Um, I think that we can't we can't do anything individually you know we don't we don't succeed well in this world by trying to do stuff by ourselves mm -hmm. um, there's very few self-made if you will millionaires and billionaires and mm -hmm. honestly you know that's a loose definition because money shouldn't really define you know what you what you view as successful I mean what it does for some people you know so I want I don't want to say it shouldn't but um, you know, I think for the vast majority of us, you know, we're not wealthy, you know, we're not millionaires and billionaires. And as nice as that would be, mm -hmm. um, we have to define success in our own space. Um, but it's important to bring others along with you mm -hmm. um, to see others succeed and to figure stuff out as teams and mm -hmm. to make to show everybody that, you know, we can all do this together at the end yeah. of the day, at the end of the day. That's what I was trying to get forth when I was writing that. <laughs> In the early stages of a book, you say, one of the things I find extremely difficult is to generally let people in. Was there a time in your life where you had let someone 
or people in that changed your approach with regards to how you relate and relationship with people? I think growing up in general, um, I've always struggled to let people in. Um, mm-hmm. I think I I grew up, you know, as we stated earlier, you know, it was a single mother household, you know, it was me, my mom, my little brother. Um, I feel like my mom and my little brother's relationship was different than me and my mom's relationship was. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my little brother are polar opposites, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I love him to death, you know. We're polar opposites, though. And for my mom, um, even back then, you know, I feel like she, she, I was, I was a problem child as it was, but, you know, with that, my mom wanted somebody who was more, you know, emotionally available, her being a single mother, mm-hmm. not having a man in the house, you know, all the other stuff with two boys, you know, you kind of, as a woman, I think, you know, it was a comfort thing for her as well, too. I just wasn't that. And my little brother was, you know. Um, and because of that, that caused a lot of rifts. Uh, I think my mom, you know, she would say she would say certain things, you know, that I would interpret as, you know, why aren't you like your little brother um, in a sense? And I'm, I'm not him. So to me, that was one of the first relationships that I was just like, you know, I was uncomfortable really letting her in because I didn't feel like we related at all. Um, and then that kind of trickled into my, you know, relationships, um, girlfriends, Mm -hmm. uh, friendships and whatnot to where I really just didn't trust people's judgment, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was okay with doing it by myself, you know, um, so even if he was my friend, that was cool. Um, but you know, if I needed to do anything that was like a goal of mine or something I set out, set after, I didn't need anybody, you know, Um, and that, it took a long time for me to realize that I couldn't go through life like that, you know, Mm -hmm. my my grandma, my grandma, you know, that's my, that's like my 100% best friend, you know, on this earth, my grandma Marcel, you know, I love her to death, Um, but she told me one day we were on the phone and me and my mom had been going through something, I was 20, 22, 23 years old. And me and my mom, we were having one of our little riffs. Mm-hmm. And my grandma called me one day and she said, Anthony, uh, you can't continue to go through life acting acting like you don't need anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And she was like, it's affecting everything in your life, mm-hmm. um, every relationship you have, uh, because you act like you just are here alone and you don't need anybody and nobody can help you. And that's not the case. And, you know, she kind of made me realize that even at that time frame in my life, I was struggling. Like, you know, I just was. I didn't really have a full grasp of who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, 22, 23 feels like that. It did, you know. <laughs> it did, absolutely. I just didn't have a grasp on myself at all. My, I think my interpersonal skills sucked because I didn't, I didn't know how to let people in, you know, at that point. To that point in my life, honestly, I don't know who I had let in, for real. I think my little brother might have been the closest thing to that, you know, but we so different, you know, it's like we, we relate on certain things, but we just different. He's just, you know, probably was the most consistent person in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so him at a surface level, but outside of that, you know, I can't say that I ever fully let my mom in. Definitely wasn't there with my dad. Definitely wasn't there with my biological mm-hmm. father. Um, yeah. You know, my friends, you know, I had my, had my friend's space, but, you know, I was kind of, 
I'd go out, you know, do things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, outside of basketball and me going out, I kind of stayed to myself, you know. And uh, it it took a lot for me to realize that, you know, I was struggling in life because I didn't know how to let other people in, you know. And you know, it was it was it was hard, you know. It was just I felt like it was just me, you know, yeah. just me and I was just operating how mm-hmm. I operate, you know. And that was, that was that was a rough time in my life, yeah. rough time. And so your grandmother brings you into the point where you are able to recognize that you're not able to do that on your own. You're unable to go through life acting like I can, I got this. What kind of steps do you take as the first steps? Or do you remember as the first steps to letting people in? What was it? Was it like, okay, this is how I'm going to be. This is the strategy. What, what's changing? I think the first the first step is uh, self self reflection, mm-hmm. you know, self reflection and self awareness. Um, so, her telling me that is one thing. Me recognizing this, I'm totally different. Okay. Um, yeah. So for me, it took it took me to really sit down and look at myself in the mirror and really evaluate what my relationships were like first mm-hmm. and foremost. So I had to look at everything. You know, look at my relationship with my parents, mm-hmm. look at my relationship with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Look at the relationship with the uh, mother and my child, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, I'm getting ready to leave. To I'm getting ready to move to Korea at the point at this point too. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I had to just look at myself and say, okay, you know, I have, you know, all this going on. You know, I got, mm-hmm. I got issues with my parents. I got children at this point. Um, I'm having issues with the mother and my children. You know, you know my. But I had to ask myself about my friendships too. Like they were good, but you know, were they really good? Mm-hmm. I had to kind of evaluate, like you know, what, what have I put into these friendships, and uh, what have I allowed them to you know see about who I am and whatnot, um, and take a hard look. And that that was tough. It was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It was really uncomfortable trying to put myself. Or look at myself and see the light that I was actually in at that mm-hmm. particular, that particular moment. So, after that, then it was more so like, okay, um, how do I get right within myself? So for me at that particular time, um, I had turned to going back to church at the at that time. Um, you know, trying to find myself, you know, spiritually as well, and see how that impacted, you know, my life. Um, yeah. And that helped, you know, at the time that helped. Um, I think I was starting to, it wasn't so much necessarily the word, but it was a lot of the message that I was getting was a whole lot about being internally peaceful mm-hmm. um, and, you know, how to how to work on your, work on your internal self. Mm-hmm. And um, I needed that. And that, that helped me once I, once I was in a spot where I was, good within myself where I was happy like just fundamentally just happy Um, then I started to understand how I can build relationships now you know and that helped with my dad you know that helped with my mom Um, some of my closer friendships had got closer Mm -hmm. so I was able to open up at that Mm -hmm. point uh, to a point I wasn't really able to ever do before so even with my grandma, you know, my grandma, she, uh, like I said, she's like my, my best of best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with her, you know, it was never really a point to where I was just like, hey, grandma, you know, I'm going through this. You know, I need, 
I need an ear. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, can you just talk to me about this? How would you handle this or whatnot? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have that with anybody. At least I didn't feel like. So um, I was very angry. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't already deal with my emotions and whatnot. So it was a lot of self-reflection, a lot of self-awareness yeah. that I had to go through to get to where I'm at now. Yeah. Being able to tell yourself the hard truth is the first step, I always say. It yeah. is. Absolutely. It is. I'm going to put your book on the spotlight. Do, do you mind it. if I read a page? I do not. <laughs> I do not. Okay. So page 28 of 136, we're talking about vulnerability. Okay. And the difficulty with being vulnerable. You say, it's our pride, our ego, our will to get through shit ourselves. Interesting enough, society will tell you that it is a man thing. But trust and believe, we have plenty of women who have just as big or bigger egos than most men. Say what? We feminists (laughs) are offended. Like, (laughs) what? What do you mean we have bigger or even big egos? What are you talking about? So the the basis of that was not to offend, you know, any feminists. As you can see on my hat right here, which I'm sure everybody else can, you know, <laughs> says fem on here. I'm big on, you know, women and things of that nature. But the point the point I was trying to get out with that was that um, in a in a society that, especially nowadays, where Women's equality is at a forefront. Um, equal pay, um, you know, just equality as a whole with everything. LGBT, you know, mm-hmm. community. Um, you forgot the Q. Q. I, I apologize. <laughs> no, no offense. I, I, I apologize. Sorry, I just think that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're we're so big on equality in the world today, and it's probably at, you know, the largest time in our lives where it's, it's such an accepted thing and um, we still have work to do absolutely but such an accepted thing is such a known thing out there we can't we can't pick and choose how we do that so yeah. when I start talking about vulnerability um, what happens a lot of times is you know we get into these pitfalls to where me as a man you know it's a uh, once I once I show a certain amount of aggression or or whatnot, now all of a sudden I'm, you know, egotistical. You know, if I have a strong opinion about something because I know I'm right or whatever, I am this this person over here, right? And it's a man thing, right? You know, you don't hear you don't hear side talking about necessarily the woman that's like that. You know, it's like never. You know, maybe in a couple movies you might see that. You know, but it's not a thing that people talk about. So it's almost like is looked down for us to do it because now I'm that I'm that angry man, you know, I'm this mm-hmm. egotistical man, I'm just typical, you know, whatever. But we have women who in a society where women are starting to thrive as they should and mm-hmm. um, women are a force to be reckoned with or whatever, to where they are like that as well. You know, they are we do have egotistical women, you know, we do have prideful women, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and we have to recognize that too. You know, we can't. It's not a man thing. You know, it's it's, and just as equally, it's not just a woman thing to be emotional. You know, yeah. if if a woman feels a certain way, you know, at work, you know, based off of whatever her experience mm-hmm. experiences, um, and she's emotional, she has the right to be emotional, just as a male has the right to 
if my if my boss is a woman mm-hmm. and she is popping off at me and you know I get in my feels about it I have the right to be emotional you know <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that's my I think that's my whole point like you know we have to get out the space to where you know we're trying to pick and choose you know when it's okay for a man to be a certain way mm. you know without recognizing that there are women who are equal to us who are the same way as well you know this is not a man thing. it's not a man or a woman thing it's, just, it's a thing you know we have to recognize that so it wasn't necessarily uh shot at any woman but you know it is, it is a thing that's out there to where you know men and women can't look at it and be like that that's a man thing you know it's not okay for me to do it because i'm a man mm-hmm. but it's okay for her to do it because she's a she's a woman mm-hmm. especially in today's world where we're so big on equality and equal opportunity mm-hmm. and things of that nature it's not a time to pick and choose yeah. when we can do that you know so. yeah it's really good healthy i almost <laughs> sent my pack of feminists <laughs> <laughs> okay page 68 and 69 of the book really spoke to my heart you probe do you love yourself do you know yourself if the answer is no or i don't know that is okay what is the plan of action to get you to that point how do you hold yourself accountable being individually good allows you to be good for everyone else incredibly powerful are these questions that you confront yourself with regularly? I have. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say at this point in my life I do. I think that I am um, pretty you know, self-aware of you know, how I am and you know, how I want to be in life. Uh, but I definitely have. You know, and I think mm. it's important. You know, people, we, we lose ourselves a lot of times. Mm. You know, we get caught up you know, in trying to make everybody else happy, trying to please everyone else, trying to make sure that, you know, our children are good, trying to make sure that our, um, the job is done the correct way, that uh, my husband is fine, my wife is fine, that the dishes are clean, that um, whatever, that has nothing to do with ourselves. And the the sad truth is that, I don't want to say the sad truth, but the honest truth is that we are no good to anybody if we're not happy within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not, you know, looking at ourselves and knowing, okay, you know, I'm good. I'm in a good space right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if you're not in a good space, you know, that you identify that you're not and you can go sit down and get yourself in a, in a better space. Mm-hmm. And it's okay not to be, you know, and I think... I think people get lost in that too. It's okay. We're human. We're we're not perfect. We're imperfect mm-hmm. creatures, um, and it is just as okay to be happy as it is to be sad. Is mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're not great within yourselves, that's fine. Like I said, you know what what's the next step though? And you have to be able to recognize that, you know, for yourself. That comes with being honest with yourself too, and mm-hmm. sitting really sitting down, really taking a moment, mm-hmm. you know, to yourself and saying, okay, this. This is where I'm at, you know, and how do I get out this funk? How do I get out this, uh, how do I get to this next step um, in order for me to be where I need to be? Because uh, once again, you know, it's, uh, you can only fake the funk for so long mm-hmm. and you, it will start impacting other things in your life if you're not good within yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So you should ask yourself questions, you know, if you feel, and I say this a lot of times, you know, people around you, they a lot of times notice things before you'll notice them. Mm -hmm. And the people who are closest to you will normally tell you or ask you, probe you, are you good? Mm -hmm. Is something going on with you? You seem off. Take those things and really, you know, do self-reflection because mm -hmm. generally speaking, this isn't something just to make you irritated or just something I feel like saying. I'm not going to tell my friend, you look, you seem off mm -hmm. just because I want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, really take those and, okay, maybe I am. You know, let me let me mm -hmm. see what's going on. I mean, what's, what have I really been doing for myself mm -hmm. to to make me happy? And too often we don't, we don't, we don't. We don't give ourselves self-love, you know, because we're, yeah. we're worried about everything else around us. And we forget that the most important thing in our lives is us. Is yeah. us. Legit. I don't care if you have kids. I don't care if you are married. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're a super religious person. Mm -hmm. The most important thing in your life is you. Because that is going to dictate how you do everything else. How I parent. Mm -hmm. How I serve. You know, whatever religion you are. Mm -hmm how I operate at work, how I treat my mm -hmm. wife or husband, partner, you know, whatever. Um, you got to be good with it yourself before you can have those relationships be great at all. You know, yeah. uh, you're legit the most important thing to your life. So. Yeah. Mm. Whew. All of it. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I'm feeling as good as I did when we first started. I'm feeling really good. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Um, okay. Ready with a final poll? Yeah. Um, it's called Patience. It's an ode to my mother, being a single mother. Patience. They say patience unlocks unlimited opportunities. Swarms of endless dreams that have in your mind only been dwarfed realities. Patience, they say. Focusing on everything in life that has even the slightest ring for potential. Have patience. So we guide our minds from our drive home a point that everything happens in due time, living the ideology that the best dreams that are a part of me will inherently come from patience. From a young child who slipped your mother's womb, always crying and yelling because at six weeks old all you wanted was food, frustrated thoughts from a 23-year-old woman thinking, damn, what was I thinking having you? What can I do to settle this little infant down? to help him chill the hell out because all I want to do is lay my tired ass down. Vincent to her friends, family, but mainly this absentee daddy, the dude that's supposed to have me hold me down gladly, take the pressure off when my eyes drain like the cloudy skies, or for his terminology sake, take the pressure off when my eyes drain like the wetness that was between my thighs when you stroked my ego, spread me wide, felt so good you let all your bullets fly, and all he can do is say, have patience. Dreams bigger than a good year blimp. Snapshots of life seem so close you can grab onto it. But the reality of it is, you can't have no part of it. Ain't no coming back from this path you've been walking with. Resentment to a man that said this was a partnership. Folded off like a letter and sailed off in a cargo ship. Punk ass that made you half-hearted shit. So every opportunity in life you go half-heart with it. Not realizing your seed can't deal with the half-hearted shit. Time to get your life together, ain't no half parts to this. Losing your mind cause you can't get a grip on reality. The mask you put on won't separate the facts you see. But everyone you vent to, every homie that's been true, every family member that's been you, 
And each fortune cookie you eat through keeps telling you, be patient. Fuck being patient. There has to come a time when you open your mind, be honest about what you want and grab what's rightfully mine. You see, this story that I read to you happens time after time after time to the point that I should expect that my own daughters would deal with this in due time. In a society that has made our women lesser, pretty much objects like these trophies that I lay on my dresser, the big bad bully of a man, you know, we the aggressor, the almighty himself, shit, we the director, do what the hell we want, when we want, with who we want, but then claim we the protector, so this woman can lie down and let her dreams fall because what? We'll protect her, but as soon as she's on to something, well, it's time to neglect her, and society keeps telling you, be patient. Well, my beautiful women, all shades and skin tones, I can give a damn if you have an Android or an iPhone. Don't become one of these funny ass memes of botched realities because you've been demeaned and slighted, told to wipe your tears off and hide it. Well, this is your life now, so you should be excited. Forget that, own your worth. Understand that everything we see is birth, all by a beautiful woman, a woman on this earth. And contradictory to a man's perspective, we don't want shit because if my science is correct, we're incapable of birthing it. God put the responsibility in your hands because he knew you can handle it. Men fumble everything. He knew we was bad for it. Circumstance happens, baby, believe you can handle it. And as Jay said, women is pimps too, so you don't have to go half for shit. And if there's one last piece of advice I can give, if you want it, go get it. Don't be patient for shit. favorite poem. <laughs> it's my favorite poem too. <laughs> well, yes. Shouldn't have gotten you about page 68. Sorry. We mm. apologize. We of the feminists <laughs> apologize. Nay, nothing, nothing to apologize about. I'm glad the question got asked. <laughs> oh man. So what inspired that poem? Um, my mother. So it really was a poem that um, I felt spoke to my mother and um, Having me growing up, uh, she had me at 23 years old, uh, single mom, you know, just me and her, you know, my biological father, you know, I heard some stories, you know, and, um, you know, he just, he just wasn't, he just wasn't around, you know, and um, he told her that it was going to be something that it wasn't, and obviously the fact that I didn't meet him for real time, I was 21 years old, says a lot, you know, and uh, I can I can't ever begin to understand what it's like to be a mother, to birth a child, to you know be put in a situation to where you thought you were gonna do it with somebody and now you're not. Um, I can't even begin to put myself in that mindset, you know. And um, I just when I wrote it, I just you know it's talking from a spot to where where I'm trying to figure out what was going through her head with that. Um, but I think it can relate to a lot of single women out there, you know. Um, you know, I think, crazy enough, the first time I recited that poem was here in Hawaii, and literally, I was leaving um, the venue, and this lady came up to me, and she had tears in her eyes. She was like, this is the first poem that's ever made me cry. You know, it just spoke to everything that I'm currently going through, and, you know, 
this, that, and the third, and you know, it just touched me on a different level because you know, as I wrote that from my mom, you know, I didn't really understand the time, like the impact the cab on a, a lot of people, and you know, it's a it's a sad reality. It's it's so common, you know, today. And I think that's why I said in the poem too, you know, to the point to where I should expect that my own daughters, you know, would deal with this in due time. Obviously, I hope not, but it's a thing, you know, that happens too often, you know, in our society. I mean, if I, if I give you the reality of it is, you know, the mother of my kids at this point, you know, is a, a single mother. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm available, you know, I'm active in my kids' lives, but, you know, she's a single mother, you know, and, um, you know in a sense, I've perpetrated that culture, you know, I have. Adding on to you know another another man who you know is not in the household you know, while we leave with these mothers to raise our children you know and I try to think about it like that for me because I am an active father but like I said if I'm gonna keep it keep it hundred you know it's um you know this this poem is kind of to her too you know if you will so but I think you still in that reflection of recognizing what is 100 or doing your part for the black community and black men and speaking on it. And what better person to hear it from than that person who's going through the same thing. Absolutely. You know? So there's redemption. A absolutely. And I think that uh, once again, it's important that we we are real with, with, with what, uh, what we're talking about, you know. It doesn't do any good for me as a, you know, my book, you know, am I really, it's more of a motivational piece, you know, my 10 keys of motivation, um, but it does no good for me to attempt to motivate anybody if I'm going to fabricate, you know, I'm not going to tell you my struggles and my things going, I'm going through, so I seek to keep it real, you know, at all times. <laughs> We appreciate that you came in packing, passionate, with your heart on your sleeve. It was beautiful. I feel like I've gotten to know you just a little bit more better than I did through the scram, social media, whatever. But those of you who cannot, you know, get to know him on a more personal level, how do they get a hold of you? Where are you at? I'm on social media wise. I'm only on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really do Facebook too much no more. But um, you can follow me on Instagram, Chico underscore Suave one five. Uh, you can also go out and purchase my book and my really. Uh, it's my ten keys and motivation. You know, I think that um, obviously it's my opinion on how I how I get motivated. And I motivate people around me, but you know, I think that you can probably get something out of it. I said in my book, if it can impact one person, you know, this was never for me about the money, never about, you know, the, the recognition. It was really about, you know, one person that maybe needed to hear, you know, something. And, you know, this is one of my callings, I feel like. So it didn't cost me anything but sweat equity to get this done. So, you know, hopefully you get something out of it. I'm going to plug it in about the money. So the book is on Amazon for $15. I expect that you will go and buy it out and support artists. Number one, it is too expensive to live in Hawaii. Number two, we as poets don't get paid to write about our lives and to share them with you guys. So the little that you can do when someone's taken the energy to publish a book that was probably very hard where you had moments where you just thought you couldn't do it, just put the $15 out there and say, hey, I see you, I hear you, I value you, and I'm here. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, because people won't self-plug. We're kind of shy. <laughs> people are like, oh, you do a podcast? I'm like, uh, yeah. 
not really, but you know, so we need our friends and we need our community to plug us out and put us there and be like, okay, yeah, this is what they do. <laughs> and I think, and I, I kind of have to backtrack and know we're about to end this, but I think I actually put in my book about there that, you know, it's okay to, um, to acknowledge, you know, when you, you know, done great things, you know, that, um, when people are trying to, you know, shout you out and recognize you and whatever, it's one of the hardest things for us to do as individuals because we did pick everything about ourselves. And, and if I'm being 1,000, you know, even me reading a book, I kind of cringe sometimes because I, I catch every little typo I had, every little, you know, whatever. I'm just like, ugh, why did I release that? <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, but I do appreciate you and your time and you shouting that out. <laughs> Thank you so much. I got you. We wish you well and the JWM family appreciates you. Thank you for sharing just a small part of your life with us, you know. Thank you for listening. <laughs> okay, that is it, JWM family. Until then, mahulukwe kiotaba ruile. Aloha.